Welcome to the 32nd edition of the Guna Podcast, sponsored by Vision Sports Publishing, the company behind the recently released paperback version of Guna editor Kevin Witcher's co-written book, Arse and Owl, The Making of a Modern Superclub. Plug over and down to business. What follows is the second half of the recording made at the beginning of August, half of which you may have already heard on our previous podcast. As it was getting dangerously close to his bedtime, Don Sebastiano had to exit his panel seat and head home before he turned into a pumpkin. So your panel consists of David Udo, Mark Collington, and stepping into Don's oversized shoes, the aforementioned Kevin Witcher. So Kevin, it's reported that um, people as far down as 12,000 on the season ticket waiting list have been offered a seat for the upcoming season. Should the club be concerned about this? Well, they've often made a great play of the fact that they had this huge waiting list for season tickets, reputedly 45,000 names. Presumably uh, all of them have paid £15 to be on this uh, waiting list. However, um, it's uh, a shame Basti isn't with us for this recording because apparently he uh, has no recollection of being on the season ticket waiting list and he says he's never paid £15 to be on it. And yet, as a lapsed season ticket holder from uh, over a decade ago, and even a lapsed red member, he didn't renew in 2008, he was sent an email from the club offering him a season ticket out of the blue, and uh, he declined. But um, it does suggest that uh, it's getting a lot easier to be offered one of these things, and the fact that they've gone down to 12,000 on the waiting list indicates that there are a good many thousand people who decline the offer to actually take a season ticket. So yes, the club should worry because it shows that the demand is gradually dissipating away. (coughs) People realise that they can get tickets now for many, many of the matches. They're not selling out quickly. They can get a spare through the informal markets which have uh, gradually evolved since we've moved to the new stadium. The demand is beginning to be less than the supply. So yes, worrying times for the club. The only thing you can say is that every other football club is in the same boat, but Arsenal have financial obligations which perhaps others don't, so they're a little bit uh, closer to, um, well, a slide than some others from their current position, and things, events might overtake them, they might find they're not regular participants in the Champions League, and that has financial implications. So... All these things have a knock-on effect. These are very worrying times. Mm. Well, Mark, um, similar well, question to you, but um, also, do you, I mean, do you think that would provide good value for money, being the highest um, admission prices in world football? No, but I don't think paying over a grand for a season ticket is ever going to be good value for money. I mean, I'm not one of these pessimists that demand success and championships mm. every single year. By the same token, I know when I'm being made a total mug of. And I think paying well over a grand to watch a few football matches is disgusting. But the club, obviously, for years had us over a barrel. They know that we could have paid this money. But what they probably didn't bank on, really, was the fact that this huge economic trouble the country now actually has. 
So the um, cuckoos are coming home to roost, if that's an expression, which it probably isn't. But I think you all know <laughs> what I actually mean. But a little interesting anecdote for you here. The um, cuckoos. The cuckoos are coming home to roost. Remember the cuckoos, as in the idiots, the clowns. Yeah, like the, yeah any, kind of, any form of bird. They're all roosting. Any, no, they're all coming home. Bird, I think you were looking at chickens, to be honest, Mark. Chickens. Chickens yeah. coming home to roost. I prefer cuckoos. Perhaps even hens. They sound like they're a bit mental, don't they, cuckoos? Well, we're mental. We're paying over £1,000 a year. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Tell me what you meant with them coming home to roost. I did, and therein lies the rub. Anyway, well, as I say, a little anecdote for you, a little cheeky story. Mm. A friend of mine, right. well, I say friend, more of a colleague, but um, I say colleague, more I don't really like at work. But anyway, get to the point of the story. <laughs> now, this young man, he makes that he's an Arsenal fan, and he's been on the waiting list for two, three years. I don't really think he's much of a fan, really, but he's got a bit of cash, you know. Right. Anyway, to cut a very long story short, he goes to me, Mark, guess what? Guess what? I said, what? He said... I've been offered a season ticket. I went brilliantly. Said, but there's bad news. Went, what's the bad news? I'd love to take my little son. We, we call him Barry. Want right, okay. name, you know, got you call him like Barry Benton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he goes, but I want one for my little kid Barry. And I said, oh, okay. And anyway, off he went. <laughs> Where did he go? <laughs> to go and get his season ticket. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Apparently, he did it this year by this. When I got my season ticket, I went to some little office somewhere and sat there and chose it on some kind of like random chair. The infamous reservation centre in yeah. Brewery Road. Oh like, god, yeah, that was now, great, wasn't it? They do an online reservation where they give you a little URL yeah. and you log on yeah. and you do it virtually. That's what I did for mine, yeah. We'll come to you in a minute. So this chap, (laughs) this colleague of mine, was picking his virtual season ticket, sat there, and he said, well, you know, know, to cut another long story short, (laughs) he wanted one for little Barry. Barry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he said to the club, can I have two season tickets? And you think they'd tell him where to go. Go away. you got one reservation. What transpired was, is they took the seats they can't flog, the ones behind the goal on the upper tier, and he asked two or three times so they said yes okay yeah. you can have two but it's upper tier and he, and he took them he got really? two season tickets for him and for Barry that makes a mockery yeah. of the whole waiting system and going back to Kev's point exactly. yes they are desperate desperation is the word and you get a free radio it's free radio yeah, you free get radio. radio yeah you get a free radio Really? You know, not like, get no, I can't wait. No, no, no. It's, when, you know, no. it's like when you get the chop in China after you've had like two kids, oh and they, they all get a free radio if they have the chop. Is that and that's what I reckon's going to happen. Oh, <laughs> I reckon you're going to get so a free radio. So before David comes in, I know he's been waiting to come in. Um, we should talk very, very quickly. Perhaps a different topic. Talking about free radios, about yeah. the awful gift pack for being a season ticket member oh, this year. So rosy, that wasn't extremely it? cheap Arsenal yeah. wash bag yeah. and that scarf made, made out of pubic hair. Is that what we get this year? It was shocking. Oh my god! The worst bag I've ever seen. Yeah. And then on the DVD, Robin Van Persie plays Johan Ju at darts. Really? Is that? Does it actually happen? Pretty much. I think it's those two players. It's definitely Robin Van Persie. I'm not sure who his darts partner is, but it's someone like Juru, something like that. I've not even watched it. I just read the back. I'm absolutely gutted now because my dad phoned me. No, that sounds quite interesting. In excitement, saying, uh, "Are they nude?" So, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> It's, we can think of new one dogs. We've had that before, yeah. haven't we? We have had new dogs. That was yeah. on live TV, I believe. It was. Yeah. Bring it back. Yeah. Incidentally, if anyone can find it, I was the actually on a, there was a sports quiz on live TV called A Game of Two Scarves, which I was on as a 15-year-old pro celebrity A Game of Two Scarves with Perry Groves. Oh hey, my hey, God! That's we are applause. in the presence of greatness. Um, and so, Metro okay. dating. Sorry. <laughs> and Metro dating. And Metro dating. You are a media tarp, Mister. <laughs> the first degree. Um, 
No, I, I, I'm because I, I got a phone call from my dad this, this morning saying, Dave, the season tickets have arrived. I highly goes, yeah, my friend had season tickets for about 20 years and my dad got made redundant in in 1992 and we had to give ours up because £180 to sit in the front row of the West Lower was far too expensive so we've just you know I, I, I've fronted for him as well so I'm two and a half grand down at the moment um, and um, uh, he said Dave I think they've arrived um, although um, do you want me to forward them or should I open them open them and he said okay I'll open them when I get in I'll give you a call when you finish doing the podcast he said but they're the packages were slightly bigger. They weren't big like the big membership packs. They were slightly bigger than just a little credit card thing. Now I know what it is. It's a novelty fucking wash bag with Johan Juru's 180. I can't fucking believe it. I haven't got my season to me yet, but I've got my wash bag and my scarf. Under fucking believable. That scarf? Is it? I, I see that scarf the other day and I can't believe it. It's it's the roughness is like literally it's so it's bad. pubic hair dyed red and white. It's Chinese <laughs> pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> It's so horrible. What, how did, where did they get that from? They certainly didn't pay a lot of money. I think no. that's one thing you've got to say. The club oh. aren't wasting money and on you're, this. And you're forgetting the fantastic, cheapest plastic note to man passport holder for those great trips away to oh. Europe. And oh. tags, and luggage tags as well. Brilliant. Matching luggage I'll use tags. that on Thursday nights this year in the UEFA Cup when we're going away to places like NEC, Nijmegen and Skonto Riga. Right. You know, we're, we're there listening to the radio, waiting for the UEFA Cup draw, going, oh, fucking hell, I just hope we don't get Vilnius away. Oh shit! Sorry, I've turned into Basti. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to use the scarf either to dry my dishes or to stop my sheets getting dirty. <laughs> there, is, there is a tea towel element to the thing. I have to confess. How much look at that? You can go for the silver members too that take this pack. How many of the fifty thousand that these packs cost a man? I reckon they got them in at uh, under a pound a unit. For the whole thing, yes. the DVD, wash yes. bag, passport holder, yes. scarf of cubes. No, but how much did they pay Robin Van Persie and Johan Juri to play darts? That must have been, that must yeah, have been that quite probably a big put thing. a bit on I the I will tell our listeners yeah. now, it might have been Johan Juri up on the hockey. <laughs> no, it's definitely Robin Van Persie. Right. But check your own membership packs for his right. darts partner. Okay, I we'll leave it. No, we wouldn't like to spoil the suspense of who won that match, no. would we? <laughs> But, um, so, uh, David, how does it feel to be a season ticket holder after all this time? Well, now I'm pissed off because <laughs> I've got my ticket and I've got my darts DVD. Really? Um, <laughs> we're, no, I mean, I, I, we're not a happy bunch, are we, Arsenal fans? Or Arsenal fans aren't a happy bunch. If there's not, you know, <laughs> winning the, UA, the Emirates Cup at the weekend wasn't enough, we're all pissed off about the season tickets. Uh, I, I, was, I was giddy with romanticism, to be completely honest. I mean, as a, as a silver member for the... Well, as a, as a former ticket registration scheme member, and certainly since we moved to the new ground, and this this awful and disgraceful grading of games has meant I've been financially prohibited from going to watch West Ham United play against Arsenal, where my forty-five pound ticket becomes a sixty-seven pound ticket. Um, the playing field was level for me, as I'll, I'll actually spend less money uh, in going to see the same amount of games as I did last, mm-hmm. last season so uh, it's not from a fight I mean don't get me wrong it's an extortionate and ridiculous uh, amount of money to watch a sports team but um, it is my leisure activity it is a huge part of my life and, and whilst I, I begrudge spending such a huge sum um, when they asked me if I wanted one it, it, it took less than a couple of seconds to say yes please especially when uh, as someone who sits um, with about 10 seats around me empty in the uh, upper tier behind the goal, I was more than happy to be- pretty much take the seats that I'd sat in for most games last season. Whereabouts in the stadium did you, was you able to get, David? Um, well, I was told that uh, I could sit anywhere I wanted to in the upper tier. Oh, really? Anywhere I wanted to. Because uh, they originally offered me seats in, the, in what is the clock end, and I said, no, I want to sit beyond the other goal. 
uh, expecting to be told no there are literally two seats left and the, the clock is ticking they said yeah what block and I said well we normally sit in 99 and she went oh what row row 14 yeah 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 we've got those can I just can I sit where I can I sit next to Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> row, row 1 seat 1 I can okay? tell you that that uh, upper tier behind the north end goal um, what happened was when they moved from Highbury the North Bank bondholders were given first dibs on selection of seats and they all moved round the side because basically the price differential is not a great deal for most of the seats at the side. They're as expensive as those ones behind the goal. So, you know, to spend the same money, they're mm. going to obviously pick the better seats. So most of the tickets behind the, the goals upstairs, I mean, initially there weren't season tickets behind the... Uh, Clock end or south end, whatever you want to call it, upstairs because of the away support factor. Um, but they're all match by match tickets. There are not many season ticket holders in there. And the reason the club were trying to say to people, this is the only place we've got season tickets, is because they know they're going to have a lot of games that they struggle to sell out. There's going to be a lot of empty seats and they don't want huge blocks of red seats visible. I'd rather have people dotted around in them so it doesn't look quite so bad. Yeah, perhaps so they, they should paint them or something. Well, maybe they should paint <laughs> oh, them. They do that in Sporting Lisbon. When they did a new stadium, they painted all the seats different colours. So it's just not such so blatantly obvious that they're half empty. But it's going to be pretty obvious when the seats at Arsenal are half empty, as you will, would have seen from the Emirates Cup when the Rangers fans walked out on the Saturday before the Arsenal played uh, Atletico Madrid. You know, those kind of scenes are what Arsenal are trying to avoid for their Premier League and FA Cup and even Champions League games. So if they can dot people around the um, stadium more, there's less chance of these huge blocks being empty, uh, visible to all. However, as last season showed, there's a lot of people who buy season tickets who don't even turn up. Mm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how things go this season. I hope we go like a train and everyone wants to go to every game and every game means something. Uh, but if we do show that we're not actually competing and the games become nothing games, then you'll find that the coming season will be even worse than the one we've just endured. Oh, well, from comforting words there from, <laughs> from <laughs> the voice of reason, yeah, from from library to Ashburton Grave. Really, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm only warning of, of the dangers ahead. I'm like H.G. Wells. <laughs> Just so you, our, our editor's currently sitting here naked, saying for sandwich board, which reads the end is nigh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to speak the truth, but it, you know, someone has to. <laughs> He's skillful and he's tricky He plays more than Rosicky He always takes the mickey It's Robin Van Persie Robin Van P 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 OK, well, um, we'll move on to matters of the board and, um, uh, or just generally the run of the club and I know that you have a lot of... Uh, a lot to say on the subject of Mr Ivan Vigasidis, or have had in the past, Mr Rudo. So mm. would you like to uh, give us some impressions of what, how you think he's uh, performed in his first couple of months? Seven months? Um, he's impressed me more as, as time has gone on. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't appreciate the club, whoever it is, whether it's Danny Fitzman, uh, Ivan Gazidis, uh, Peter Wood coming out you know, saying that you know, there are no troops in Baghdad, all is 
uh, Rosie in the garden, of course, mm. manages but money to spend if he wants to, and it's patently obvious that that's not the case. Uh, and Mr. Gazidis has been guilty of that. But um, the bottom line is, Arsene Wenger now has a boss and has someone telling him that, you know, whilst we're grateful to have you, and obviously you have free reign in all team matters, ultimately, I've got 60,000 bums to put on seats and you're not getting them in at the moment and you have to improve, is the bottom line. I think the proof of the pudding will be over the course of his season. I mean, Gazidis did move some money around to raise funds to, to buy Arshad in in January and um, the same for Vermaelen at the start of the summer because it would appear that the bottom line is that the club puts probably five or six million pounds out for, for player acquisitions and the manager can keep whatever he spends. Um, hence him taking the money for Alibayor and Toure in a heartbeat um, so yeah I, I, I think Mr Gazidis has done okay but it's, it's a very very important season for Arsenal for many reasons and, and it's the same for, for Mr Gazidis as well as, as if it gets as is unfortunately quite well not quite likely but not outside the realms of possibility that come Christmas we could be 6th or 7th and 20 points off the pace um, you know the buck's got to stop with someone, and you know that's got to stop with the manager. And Mr. Gazidis may have a horrible decision to make. Surely he must understand that, though. It's like I mean, I know they're kind of cutting the spending, but you know you have to speculate to accumulate. Uh, Arsenal refused to do so. I mean, why Arsenal feel that Arsenal Football Club has to operate as a profit-making business? I don't understand. As I can't think of a single sporting franchise in the history of world sport that has that has made a profit. I mean, Real Madrid have never made a profit. Barcelona are a cooperative who, you know, who keep their head, head above water. Manchester United are laden with nine figures of debt. Manchester United are struggling. Uh, sorry, Liverpool are struggling. Chelsea are an absolute aberration financially. Um, I fail to see why why Arsenal are so dead set on operating at a profit. Sport is a leisure activity for the investors as much as anyone else. Mr. Rollington, yes, do you have any views on Mr. Gazidis? Do you know what? As of yet. Not really, no. but I wanted to mention that Russian chat very right. quickly. Okay, well, we're going to come on to him. Oh, sorry, I thought it was right, actually... Last, do you want to ask you a question about him instead? <laughs> sorry, yeah, that'd be nice. He's an, he's an Uzbek rather than a Russian. Um, about that Uzbek fellow. Right. Red and white holdings. Yes. Who've urged for more investment in the team. How do you stand on that? Him or Stan Kroenke? Or red what? and white holdings and Stan Kroenke? It's a funny situation, because I totally agree with the points David was making earlier on, and I really think we need money from somewhere, because even though I'm pro-Venger, I hate the people that come out and slag him off, uh, we haven't got enough money, it's pure and simple, and you have to speculate to accumulate, I agree with that, I'd like to see more transfers than what we have. But the thought of that fellow coming in and pumping money into our club, I know he owns a massive share of it anyway, yeah. I'm not quite sure why, call yeah. it intuition, call it a feeling, yeah. perhaps it's not rational. <laughs> But I don't like the oily, fat little man. I just don't like him. No. I don't want him putting money into, into the club. I want him to piss off. And David Dean, I know he's gone there anyway, but he can fuck off with him. I just really don't want them to have any part. I'm not quite sure why. Perhaps I'm living in the past. Perhaps I'm there, the old Etonian spirit of Peter Hillwood, but he's not, he's not for me. And I'm not being racist or xenophobic because Conky's an American. Yeah. I, I prefer him to the fat man. I think the way Kroenke's behaved, he's done things very slowly, he's let things evolve, hasn't he? Whereas, yeah. you know, the way that Usmanov's come in and sort of uh, and tried to change things and the way that he's sort of gathered shares, would you agree with that, Kev, or is it something more than that? Well, both Kroenke and Usmanov have acquired shares. Uh, the difference between the two is that at one point Kroenke was welcomed onto the board, um, but initially Kroenke was regarded with as much suspicion as Usmanov. Hillwood's infamous, we don't want his type round here quote. Pretty much, and that was 
and partly to do with the way he'd been introduced to um, the club, which is through David Dean. Um, the irony of it is that now uh, David Dean is the one who introduced Usmanov to the club. So, you know, David Dean has had a great amount of influence, even though he's not around anymore, by effectively setting up um, a head-to-head contest over the ownership of Arsenal um, by bringing these two guys in. Um, I mean, one of the things about Kroenke is he has a record for investing in players for his American franchises, as they're called. And he is now, I think, the biggest shareholder at the club, 28.3%. We can't hear a thing about him deciding that that's the way to go for Arsenal. You know, you wonder if, because he's effectively in cahoots with Danny Fisman, Danny Fisman's making all the decisions. Um, But we don't really know what Stan's intentions are. And in fairness, we don't really know what Ushmanov's long-term intentions are. Ushmanov is trying to say things which will make him popular. Um, frankly, I don't know enough about either him or Kroenke to trust either of them. You know, one of them needs to come out and make a statement about the long-term future of the club and what they would do if they were in power. However, the thing's in a bit of a mess at the moment. Uh, the bottom line is the club were anticipating £100 million of profit to come in this summer from the development of the old stadium. World economy, property, slump has taken care of that. Right now, they're just hopeful they're going to break even. They're too proud to walk away. They could hand over Highbury Square to the banks tomorrow and just walk away from it. They wouldn't lose any money. It would be for the banks to decide what to do with the properties and what price to sell them at. Arsenal could then go back to being a football club. The problem is they took a gamble on this. They're effectively going to lose it uh, because they owe a lot of money on it. It's due uh, next year. They're going to have to renegotiate the loans because they're not going to get the money in from people actually completing on the sales. So that's going to end up costing more money. As it stands, the most likely scenario is the club are actually going to lose money on Hybrid Square. So, you know, better to just cut it adrift and just forget about it in my book and go back to being a football club. Uh, as I say, pride won't let them do that at the moment. But the £100 million they were anticipating, some of it was going to pay off um, a particular portion of the debt for building the new stadium. Some of it was going to go to Arsene Wenger. Wenger's not getting that now. So the situation is this. Arsenal are reliant on £40 million from being in the, quali- in the group stages of the Champions League. They have to get through the qualifying tie. If they don't get through, that £40 million has to come from somewhere to cover the existing costs at the club, which are mainly the wages of players and what are called other operating costs, which add up to £50 million a year. That money will come from a sale of Adebayor and Torre to Manchester City if Arsenal do not qualify for the Champions League. If we get through, then Wenger's can spend that money on players. It's a situation whereby Gazidis will make a statement that the club doesn't need money. He is comical Ali in uh, Tehran <laughs> in 2003. That's what we need. Yeah, we That's need comical Ali at the club, well, yeah, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Because he would at least 
represent the truth of what's going on in terms of the farce. Quite well, no, because, like, I just think, you know, it's like the whole thing's kind of like a microcosm of, like, 80s politics and the Cold War. It's the Russians mm. versus the Americans, yeah. which, when I was a kid, was really boring. <laughs> but then, when Sylvester Stallone fought Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> it was fucking great, right? And, like, it was like, whoa, look at this. This is like, really, is this what the Cold War's all about? It's almost like Chelsea versus Manchester United, all within our football club. And we need to tart it up a little bit. It's amazing. Just to put side. a little bit of shine on the whole thing. It's amazing how <laughs> attitudes never change. Are we siding with the Russians? No, we're not. No, we're not. It still shows that we're stuck in those 80s, kind of against the communist ways. And it all comes Fatches down... Fatches Britain. It all comes down to burgers. That's what it is. We want burgers. We don't want what they give us, which is bread. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that. Sorry. That, that's, the, that's the long and short of it. It's quite like their women, though, don't we? Talking about <laughs> people's, people's intentions with regard to Stan Kroenke and Alicia Rizmanov. Well, Manny's intentions, and well, purpose for being, I, I suppose, I, I'd like to know, is Danny Fitzman. Mm. Because this is a man who wants all of the power with absolutely none of the responsibility. He's quite happy to stand up in front of the cameras and say, everything is A-OK. In his, you know, Bond villain um, Swiss tax. Good, songs. like it, yeah. like it. It's like <laughs> really. You know, it's, it's like, it's like um, Danny, do you expect Arsenal to qualify for Champions League? No, I expect them to die. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, this guy refused to, he essentially kiboshed the rights issue by all account because that would, a rights issue essentially requires existing shareholders to essentially repurchase shares and put their hands in their own fucking pockets. And uh, Mr. Fitzman, the diamond merchant, quite frankly, didn't fancy that. I've got my 11.5% shareholding. I'll continue to sell to Stan as and when he asks. But, you know, I'll quite happily take my seat at the board. I'll sit in the front row of the director's box. But you're not having a single fucking penny out of me. What is the point of Danny Fitzman? There is Kev, none. There is none. Absolutely none. Um, I mean, the man is basically... He will leave the club and sell up when the price is right. The only thing which is a principle with him is he will do it in a way that, if possible, will avoid David Dean coming in and taking control. This whole thing against Ujmanov is because Dean still apparently has connections with Ujmanov, despite leaving as his chairman of Red and Whites a year ago, whenever it was. Uh, he's just basically bubbling under the surface. Um, a lot of the stories in the press about Red and White and their proposals have been planted through Dean uh, reputedly and, uh, you know, it's all to curry favour um, with the rank and file and if Arsenal start the season badly, support for Ushmanov will actually grow. You know, personally mm. speaking, uh, from what I'm aware of the man's history... It is a kind of, I don't think we really do want his sort here, but people who pay a lot of money to watch football matches want to see success, and if they think the club is being too stingy to help the manager by buying decent players, then they're going to sympathise with someone who says that is the direction they should be going in. And in terms of pure policy, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, let's face it, Man United fans... They don't give two hoots about the amount of debt the club are carrying. They're just enjoying the trophies. They don't now. They did, though, didn't they? Well, it didn't really last. It was a 2005 anti-Glazer campaign. It probably lasted about three months. There was another little football club formed 
Uh, FC United of Manchester. And they are. It's a crap name, isn't it? Coming through the mm. pyramid slowly. But. Mm. It's a good point. I Old think Trafford continued to sell out. Yeah, I think it was Noel Gallagher said about Man City recently. I'm no big fan of that particular band. But he was saying um, that if Man City, it all ends like, you know, in say two years' time and the mm. money runs out and they're relegated and they're planning the Vauxhall Conference or whatever it's called, yeah. so what? If they have a great time doing it and they win trophies and they win leagues, it's been a right, total, great, brilliant blast. Who gives a shit? He'll well, be there supporting yeah. them when they get, you know. And it's true, isn't it? I guess you live for today, you live for the moment. So there I is don't. The, so there is, I don't no, know, I agree with you, but I'm saying that playing devil's advocate, yeah. there is the argument that why live, why live for the future, live for today, and enjoy success whilst you can. Because I've always kind of, sorry, I've no, always sorry. thought of Arsenal Football Club as, as kind of something that's been done sort of holistically. The Bank of England Club. The Bank of England Club that's kind of evolved. And I think that, you know, if you sell out to the likes of Kroenke and, and or Usmanov, then you become just the same as every other club. And at the moment, it's the only thing that I think is different about Arsenal Football Club. We left our you know, beautiful little palace to go and join the car park over the road. And you know, I don't think there is anything different about Arsenal Football Club apart from the way it's run. And perhaps that's me being quirky and stupid, and that's, perhaps that's why I don't go anymore. But, but I think that's... But I agree that's, with you, and that's what I was trying to say earlier on. But I guess the point is, is that really when you look at it, mm. half our shareholding does come from Kronke and from Usmanov. And really we're not that kind of old Bank of England club anymore. We are in name, but name only. And really... You're still holding on to it though, Mark, aren't we? Just about. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm holding on to it with you, but there is the counter-argument that do we kind of think, sod it, let's go and spend loads of money and take their money. Mm. And I suppose there's a generation of Arsenal supporters, you know, who won't even know anything about this. You know? No. Um, no. So, you know, sorry, uh, David, please. No, 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 no it's, it's, it's just sort of one thing to sort of finish this off. It's, I, from a certain point of view, yes, I, I do admire Arsenal's desire to, to run as a, as a business and ensure the longevity of the club. But, you know, I mean, this, this rock that we live on is hundreds of millions of years old. Football's 150 years old. It's yeah. a tiny blip in that. So let's say, you know, um, Chelsea's, uh, Chelsea's Russian goes to jail and disappears and, you know, the, the club folds up and Manchester United's debt becomes too heavy and so on. And, you know, we're sort of standing on top of the castle because we're the only club that's debt-free. Who are we going to play? I mean, the other thing that mentioned What you mean... If everyone else goes bust... Everyone else goes bust... And it's us. Yeah. Uh, yo, so, so what? Does that mean we win forever and yeah. that's the end of the game? We are the ultimate champions of the wow. football ever. Yeah. That's like which came first, the monkey or the human? Unbelievable. I can't help but feel like being lampooned. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine if Arsenal were champions of football forever. You know, so, yeah, but it's like, so are we going to take the piss out of fans of nothing? You know, if, if the nature of football nowadays is getting someone incredibly rich and you know we do live in a capitalist society to um, you know spend their leisure money on our leisure then you know if you can't beat them join them and the bottom line is I don't think you'll be able to beat them mm. but I would prefer to be someone who hasn't got such an alleged appalling human rights record no. by the way we are called the Bank of England Club because in the days of Herbert Chapman we actually used to spend money and that's, that's apparently where the name came from. It wasn't actually because we were financially astute, but because we actually laid out the cash. We did actually speculate to accumulate. And what <laughs> we ended up accumulating was about five uh, titles in the 1930s and a couple of FA Cups. So, um, you know, it, it's sort of been, you know, it's been adapted, that uh, label. But its origin is that we used to spend the, the money. 
There we go. Another fact for all of our loyal listeners out there. Thank exactly. You, editor. Um, quickly before we go, um, Arsene Wenger, two years left on his contract, and I'll go round the table. Would you welcome news that he'd extended it for a further three years? David? Oh, crikey. Um, purely because there's no other immediate candidate that comes to mind. Um, mm. Yes, yes but, is my answer. Yes but. Okay, Mark? A unequivocal, <laughs> unequivocal, <laughs> a equivocal, um, yes, definitely. Mm. No, to me there's no other man that can possibly do the job. Anyone that has a go at him, or, yes, he's not perfect, but with the financial constraints he actually has, what a marvellous, wonderful job he's actually done. I'm, I'm behind him every step yeah. of the way. Okay, and lastly, Kev. Firstly, Mr. Ollington's slurred words that brought you closer to your Val Policella. Um, How much did we get for that? We didn't get the yeah. bottle of wine free. No, no, he's, 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 he's a 14 year old Italian Vengers ball to play in front of the back four. Um, uh, under the circumstances which the club are operating, Wenger is the best man for the job at the moment. Um, without him, the last four years would have been even worse. Um, so at the moment, because of the way we are, I will say yes. So that's your lot for this edition. Just to let you know that issue 198 of the Guna goes on sale before the home match against Wigan on the 19th of September. And for anyone travelling to Manchester City the weekend before, there will still be the chance to pick up the current start of season issue outside the away entrance. Our email address is gunapodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. Thanks once again to our sponsors, Vision Sports Publishing. I'm your host, the Lord Admiral. Thanks for listening.